0: All right, take your Bibles. Turn to Jonah chapter two. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. Uh, we left off at verse five. I think is that. Yep, that's right. All right, I remembered. We're uh, we're going through the song, the the psalm, the prayer that Jonah prayed while in the belly of the fish. So we're kind of kind of in the middle of that. Uh, this, you know, we 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 kind of hammered the point last week. That, uh, you know, he almost waited too long to call out on God. That, uh, the, uh, the fish is, is not the judgment. The fish is actually the deliverance for Jonah. It's what saves him. Uh, the judgment was, as he talks about, and gonna talk about it even more now, uh, we're getting toward the end. The, 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 the furthest he got in the, in the sea, maybe figuratively, but probably literally too. That was the judgment. And then the, the, the whale or the, the fish was what saved him. So verse five is where we're going to pick up. It says The waters engulfed me. Let's just read actually let's, let's go back and read the whole psalm um, and get all the way through it. And remind ourselves of what he's saying, then we'll we'll pick up at verse five. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help in the belly of Sheol you heard my voice, notice he went from describing what he did in the first half of that verse to then telling us the prayer uh, and talking to God, to actually turning this into a prayer. At the end of that verse, I I cried out for help in the belly of Sheol, Sheol. you heard my voice. He says, verse 3, you threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me, all your breakers and your billows swept over me. But I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. This is where we'll pick up tonight. The waters engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth with its prison bars closed behind me forever. But you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered Yahweh. My prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation is from the Lord. So, a reminder that nowhere in this does Jonah say, I'm sorry. Not once does he say, I was wrong. God forgive me. He thanks him for salvation. He recognizes Yahweh as his God, and 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 even there toward the end, as we're going to see, he picks up with, I'm, I, "I'm going to do what you told me to do. I'm going to fulfill my vow." But nowhere does he ask for forgiveness or repentance, because he just he just doesn't get it. He, he just does not get where he has gone wrong. So we pick up in verse five. Waters engulfed him. The the depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. He says uh, as he. Descended into disobedience, now he is descending into death. We get that same image. Remember when we talked about the first chapter of Jonah, that every time Jonah did something, it was, he went down. He went down to Joppa, then he went down to uh, the, the ship and he went down into the belly of the ship. He was just getting further and further and further away. And then when the storm came, it describes him as down in a deep sleep, uh, down in the belly of the ship, just over and over and over. Jonah's getting further and further away. So what was a figurative and in, in a lot of ways, a figurative decline now is a very literal, uh, Decline into the depths of the sea. They throw him in, and uh, he fights for a while. That's kind of the impression that we get. But the the the, wa- the uh, waters engulfed him up to the neck. He kind of you know I, I, I'm reminded of Bugs Bunny. For some reason, every time somebody drowns in a cartoon, they come up once, they come up three twice, they come up three times, and they sink. They don't come up. At least that's how it always happened for bugs. I don't know if that's exactly what happened with Jonah here, but that's kind of the impression we get of him fighting to keep his head above water, the water coming up to the neck, uh, the the depths then overcome him, uh, the seaweed wrapped around his head, and we he, he goes under. For uh, what should be the last time. Notice, though, in in as we read through this, that in the depths of his uh, fear, in 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 the the final moments of his life, when he has lost all control, it's all over over with. Everything is said and done. He forgets the fact that he was done with God. Um. We talked about, uh, uh, it was actually just mentioned this morning in Sunday school, and and we've heard this before, there are no atheists in foxholes. You know, military men in war, uh, everybody believes in God to some extent when you're in that position. Well, even when you're running from God, even when you are determined you are not going to do what he says, when he finally gets your attention, when he finally gets you to that point, there is a point, I should say, where... You suddenly remember, oh, that's right. I, I, I do believe in God. I am His. I am supposed to be doing something. And it, it might be, as we talked about last week, when it just is almost too late. You, 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 you he just, he almost waited too long. But as we said last week, there's no prior to that last breath, There's no waiting too long to return to God. It may not be a pretty trip. Uh, As we talked about last week, it might be um, that it takes the belly of a fish to get your attention and get you back. But here it is. He's forgotten suddenly that he's been running from God this whole time. And when he is going under for the last time, he calls out to God. He says in verse 6, that I sank... To the foundations of the mountains, uh, the, I mean, they believed, and it's true. The the foundations of the mountains. If you, if you take, you know, if you start at uh, uh, Mount Everest, uh, you, and, and you and you work your way down, eventually you get to the water, but you're 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 not to the bottom yet. The continent goes down to the ocean floor. He was on his way down, is what he says. Uh, he was. It, down at the the foundation of the mountains the earth with its prison bars closed behind him he saw this as something he could not get out of once he had gone down at that there there are guys that one of my um, classes for my uh, my doctoral work we actually discussed Jonah and there was a guy in that class that uh, he was well, he's dogmatic about everything he he thought. Uh, it was it was interesting to have a discussion with him because it was not so much a discussion as just hearing about how you were wrong and he was right. And you know you're you're welcome to your your beliefs and sure, but we can all be a little gentler anyway. I, that, that's not the point. The point was he believed and damn it, that's the way it was. Jonah died. Well, okay. I don't I don't think so, but. If you can get as close to death as possible and not cross over, that's where Jonah was. He saw death coming. He he may have passed out. Uh, I mean, he may have breathed in the water. I don't know what happened, but Jonah felt like the the bars that the, the doors that kept him from life closed behind him. It was over for Jonah. He knew that he was done. And God knew that Jonah knew that he was done. And God knew how close he was to death. And God let Jonah get as close as possible, get to the very brink of annihilation before he steps in. Jonah thought there was no way out of this. Jonah thought that he could not make it anymore, that it was over, and God steps in. I I, I would give some application in here, right here and say that in an all about me church it almost always gets worse before it gets better. To turn a church around is always going to hurt. It's always going to be painful to get a church from the, the depths of decline to turn that around and start moving up. I saw a, a pastor up in Uh, central Louisiana. Some of y'all actually know him, so I'm not going to mention his name. He posted the other day a graph showing their church's decline over the past, I think he showed 40 years, if I remember correctly. And he's been in that church, I want to say about 10 to 12 years. And they have just turned the, the graph around in the last three or four. So he spent six, seven years or so working and doing things in that church to get the, the the decline turned around. And it took that long and they have just now been able to see over the last few years a, a, a real uptick in in uh, attendance that, that shows life returning to the church. It will get worse before it gets better. Uh, if anyone had... The idea that uh, a new pastor was going to just suddenly fix everything. Um, well, you know, reality hit uh, has already hit us that that's not the case. Uh, but it, it's not just going to be the new guy in the pulpit that makes changes. I was in a church one time that they thought if they just got a young guy in the pulpit, that would fix everything. And, and it, it didn't because that young guy brought young ideas and they said, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. We didn't we just wanted youth we didn't want youthful ideas and uh, he and I left the, the same Sunday as a matter of fact uh, just a few months after they made that declaration so uh, it was it's interesting but God will let us get to the absolute brink of death sometimes uh, having talked to people uh, now for the last oh I, I'm, I'm, what I'll be three months Tuesday I guess right November 1st. Uh, be three months. Having talked to people over the three months, I cannot tell you the number of times I've heard if we don't do something, we're going to die. Well, that's, that's very, very true statement. But I will go back to Jonah as our example that it could be that we get a lot closer to death than we are now before anything happens. Because at this point, Jonah was desperate. It was done. It was over. There was no hope at this point, as far as Jonah was concerned. He was desperate. The only thing he could do at this point was call out to God, and he probably thought, as the last little trickle of bubbles floated to the surface, as he said those words, that those would be his last words. But that wasn't the case. God was not done with Jonah. And I think Jonah could have been used much more Greatly, I don't know if that, that, that's good grammar or not. That's not good grammar, I don't believe. It doesn't sound good, is it, Miss Ruth? Okay, thank you. Much more greatly he could have been used uh, if he had repented. If he had, if we had heard the words, God, we have, I have been wrong for so long. I have run from you. I have fought your will. And then we could have seen, as I talked about a few years ago, not just a turnaround in Nineveh, but maybe along the path of, of uh, the, the every town along the road that Jonah took from wherever uh, he was spit out all the way to Nineveh. There could have been a swath of revival cut if Jonah had repented. But he didn't. God saved him. God still used him, but he was not used to the fullest, like I believe he could have been. So he sinks to the bottom. He 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 cries out. Finally, he's he's done. And then verse seven, uh, or rather uh, the uh, the end of, of verse six. But you raised me. The impossible happened. This is undeserved mercy. As we talked about before, God had no, there was no requirement for God to do this. It, it did not have to happen that way. He would have, by all rights that God had, could have, by all rights that he had, just let Jonah go. And y'all, that's that's the way it is for, for our, our churches. There is always another church that God can use if he won't use this one or that one. There are always God's people He can use. He will pass over people who will not be used by Him. He will call us. He will command us. He will direct us. But He is not obligated to save us. But He wants to save us. See, that's the beauty of God. No matter how hard we run, He still has undeserved mercy. Mercy, not getting what we deserve. So that might even be redundant to call that undeserved mercy. No mercy is deserved. But he raised me to life. You raised me to life, Jonah says, from the pit, Lord my God. Jonah's revival here was only from God and Jonah knew it. A church's revival is only from God and the church needs to know it. Again, I'm I'm not going to be able to do it. I I, I may have plans and ideas. I may have leadership qualities or personality that 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 helps, that facilitates, or something like that. But it will not be me that brings revival. It will be God that brings revival. It will not be uh, a few people that cause revival. Though I will believe, I do believe it can be a few people that hold it back. But it will be the church saying, "God, we are at the brink." We cannot make it. We are not going to make it. God save us, and God will bring revival. But it is only from him. It can't be manufactured. It can't be faked. And it never really looks the way we think it should or that it could. God always does something that we don't expect. And that's that's what makes it fun. It's because we have our plans. We have our ideas. Oh, it's going to work this. And God says, Nope. I've got something better for you, and so we wait and we see. But we turn to him, we repent, we pray, we call out to him, and he lifts us from the pit. Jonah says in verse seven, "As my life was fading, I remembered." So the the, the question uh, you know I, I ask here is: Did he fight on his own to begin with? Did he swim against the current? Did he did he paddle against the waves? Uh, there there may have been here uh, a, a lack of sincerity on his part to I and, and I even mean right here at this point. When he when he calls out to God, was he just doing it because uh, you know, I've got God on my side, I know I know he wants me. Uh it it was Jonah just mouthing words? It's a it's a very real question. Because again, we don't see repentance. We don't see a heart change. We don't see Jonah's love for the people of Nineveh. We see him say some words, and God knew his lack of sincerity. But God also knew that this lack of this possible lack of sincerity would also lead Jonah to do what he says, keep my vows go to Nineveh, and see the city of Nineveh saved. God, and I want to be very careful how I say this, because I don't want anybody to get any ideas. God can use us whether we want him to or not. But we will not see the blessing. We will not see the benefit. We will not see the growth we may not even live to see the result of our being used until we are sincere in our repentance and turning to god what do you mean by that michael well as an example and this is just a far-fetched example don't don't anybody tar me and feather me or anything like that but let's let's just say that our church truly does die in name your number of years we just, we're not going to change. We're not going to do anything different. We're, we're, this is what we like. This is how we want it. And th- that's, that's the decision we make. Let's just let's, hypothetically. The church dies. Well, this is a nice building. It could be the, the case that another church that has maybe not even been started yet, but maybe has been planted in the area, and they're running right now 15 people. It's two families, three families. 15 years from now, 20 years from now, they need a place. And they come and they use our facilities. And whatever their church is now, the sign's taken off. It's no longer First Baptist Church. It's whatever their name is. Did God God use us? Sure. He used us to maintain these facilities until a church could come in and use it for what it was supposed to be used for. So he could use us we don't get to see that blessing. We don't get to be a part of growing God's kingdom. Not the way he's intended it. He used Jonah. Nineveh got saved. But do we see any joy in Jonah's life? Do we see him rejoicing? God, that was incredible. Do it again through me. No. So so there may have been a real lack of sincerity here that, that he remembers Yahweh uh that he he calls out to God it could have just been he knew he had to and God said all right I'll still use you but you are not going to be the blessing you're not going to have the blessing in your life that you could have had so often churches won't revival but we don't want to do the hard tasks to bring it about prayer dependence repentance change Jonah wanted to be saved he wanted to get out of the ocean probably after a little while wanted to get out of the belly of that fish. But he didn't want to do the hard part of seeing a true revival in his own life. He just wanted to be able to get by. I've seen churches do it before. Yeah, absolutely. We we, we need to do some things different so we can grow. And they do a couple of things and, and there's a little bit of growth. See, we're good. So we can stop now. No, no. Um, used to, churches could change every, I think the, the statistic I heard this at the annual meeting, I believe, Andy, was you could do something, the same thing every for, for 20 to 25 years and still reach your culture around you because that's how slowly things change. Now the culture changes three to five years. So if we're doing something possibly that we've been doing for 10 years, the culture has left us behind. We're not reaching people anymore. We've got to do the hard tasks to bring about change and revival. So Jonah says, My prayer came to you. Uh, from As my life was fading away, I remembered Yahweh. My prayer came to you, to your home, holy temple. See, the depths at which Jonah had sunk did not hinder God's hearing. The depths to which we may fall, we may continue to decline, does not affect God's hearing. When we call out to Him in repentance, when we call out to Him and say, God, only you and not me, whenever that is, God will still hear. If God can bring a man who has sunk to the bottom of the ocean, bottom of the Mediterranean Sea, get him swallowed by a fish, and then spit up on the beach, he can bring any church back from the brink. God is God of miracles. And I do not believe, here's the thing, I don't believe we're on the brink yet. And that might be a good thing, that might be a bad thing. Not being on the brink, we have a number of resources and and possibilities still in our future. Once we're on the brink, we won't have options anymore. And so we don't want to get to the brink. But we have to have a sincere desire for rescue. And as I said earlier, desperation is necessary. Anthony, I know I said I was going to quit sooner, but I'm going to try to go ahead and finish this and we can do the prayer time. Okay. Verse 8, Jonah recognizes recognizes his problem. Those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. He he recognized who God was. He recognized that there is no hope outside of God. He knew that his deliverance depended on the true God. He knew that those sailors could pray to to whatever gods they wanted to and it would not do a thing to save them. Jonah knew the one God who could save him. He knew that. It, It was never a doubt to Jonah. Even in his lack of repentance, he never doubted that there was any hope outside of the God he served. Church, our our deliverance depends on God and the church's dependence on God. Do we want to be delivered? Do we want to be raised up? Do we want to be uh, useful for him again? I pray that the answer to all three of those questions is yes. Then we must depend on him to deliver us. But we also must depend on Him for everything. God will have a vision for us. God will show us things to do. God will give us a a plan. God will give us... He's already given us a mission. But it's not even those things that will deliver us. The vision won't deliver us. The plan won't deliver us. Even the mission won't deliver us. Deliverance is from God. If the mission would deliver us, then we've known our mission for years. And occasionally, some of us very likely have fulfilled that mission. But the mission doesn't deliver us. God does. It may sound like I'm splitting hairs, but I don't believe I am because churches can go through the motions of doing all of those things and never depend on God and therefore never experience deliverance from whatever it is that is holding them back, whatever it is that is binding them, that whatever it is that is dragging them down to the depths. We can, we can do all of it without dependence on God. I, I imagine if I asked for testimony night... We could all give a testimony of some time in our lives when we did something very good, very necessary, but we did it outside of our dependence on God. And even though it was good and necessary and exactly what we we're supposed to do, it did not turn out the way we thought it should or it certainly could have because we weren't dependent on God for it. But I want to ask for testimony time for that tonight. I'll just bring that to mind for you. Jonah says those, those who cling to worthless idols, they forsake faithful love. They have put aside the one true God. They have forsaken what they could be receiving. I would offer here that Jonah has done that as well. He has forsaken faithful love by running from God. I don't see that he has truly turned to faithful love. He has just turned to God's character, which I think was a little different. But we'll save that for another time. But he says, "I will sacrifice to you, but as for me in verse nine, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation is from the Lord. See, Jonah knows, even though he is not repentant, even though he is not confessed, he, is, he knows that God gets the credit. He knows that God gets the praise. Again, I don't know how empty these, these things are or not. Uh, remember, he's praying these from inside the fish. He has already been delivered. He does fulfill the vow, but as we read, if you've read the rest of Jonah, which I hope you have, do you ever see a point in time, he certainly doesn't recount it in his writing of, of, of the book, did you see a time where he sacrificed, where he praised God? It's still throughout the book all about him. And that's what it can't be. Even though he says, I will fulfill, and he does, he fulfills the calling, he does it, I believe, without power, without uh, without uh, wholeheartedness, without love for either the people that he is serving or the God he serves. The, the, Jonah must do what he is called to do. The church must do what it is called to do. But it must be more than just wrote obedience. Absolutely, God calls us to obedience, but he calls us to obe- obedience through relationship. How how many of y'all were in the military at some point in your lives? And that's not a rhetorical question. That's a real one. Military at some point. I was way too much of a pansy to go into the military. I'll just go ahead and say that. I'm, I, I was not cut out for that. How many of you can tell me you loved your drill instructor, from basic training. I mean, you just thought he was the great. You loved him. Right now, you wish you could hug that man because of how much he did for you. Yeah, I don't see any hands. How many of you were disobedient to that drill instructor on a regular basis? Maybe once, but not after that. So what you're telling me then is you can have obedience without love. Is that correct? That's not what we we can have that with God. We can have obedience without love. That is not what God is calling us to. You can have obedience without relationship. God wants obedience with relationship. That is when a church thrives. We can be obedient. We can do Jonah. We can walk to Nineveh, going to Nineveh. We can preach the sermon. One sentence. They got saved. Big whoop. I'm going to go up here and watch on the mountain. Hopefully, there'll be some fireworks. They'll all die. But no, of course, God, you're going to let them live. We could be that. We could be obedient with no relationship and no love. But that is not how a church thrives. That is how a church continues to decline to the depths. So while we must do what we are called to do, it cannot be outside of relationship. Jonah understood This ironic statement. I don't believe he meant it ironically, but it is ironic. Salvation is from the Lord. The last verse of his psalm. This is Jonah's message. This is what he's been told to take to Nineveh. Salvation is from the Lord. He recognizes its benefit for himself. He firmly believes salvation is from the Lord. God can save me. Y'all, I'm going to editorialize right here and say, as a church, churches can come and sing songs and 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 bless you, brother, and good morning, brother, so-and-so, and good morning, sister, so-and-so, and rejoice in the fact that salvation is for us, and do nothing to take that salvation to the rest of the people for whom it is. And far too many churches are doing that because we lack the love. See, he sees no need for repentance. And I've hammered this a lot, and I'm going to continue to do it. He sees no need for repentance for withholding that salvation from others. Do you realize that's what he's doing? If I have not said it clearly enough, Jonah knows salvation is from the Lord. And I refuse to take it to people who need it. Now, that is not something we would ever paint on our walls, is it? That's not, not going to be our mission statement, our vision statement. Won't be our slogan. We're not going to put it on the letterhead. We're not going to put that anywhere. Salvation is from the Lord and we will take it to nobody. We're not going to put that up. But are we living that by our lifestyles? Is that the way, is that the understood, is that the, um, oh, I've lost the word I want here. Is that the actual vision of our church, even though it's not the stated vision of the church? I pray it's not. But we must look at ourselves and examine ourselves and say, are we withholding the very salvation that we come in here and celebrate? And we sing songs like, I must tell Jesus uh, all about my troubles. That's a good song, and I'm I'm not bashing the song at all. It is a good testimony song for us to sing of our faithfulness, our, our relationship, our hope in Jesus. But if all we do is come here to tell Jesus about us and we're not going out to tell them about Jesus, then we're we're all about us and we are withholding salvation from others. See, this is the church's message. The message is not just for our benefit. We rejoice, we celebrate, we come here on, on Sundays and Wednesdays and we praise God for what He has done for us. We did it this morning with the Lord's Supper as we celebrate His uh, His uh, death and burial, resurrection, His sacrifice for us. But that is not just what we do. We come here to celebrate it, to be equipped, to be exhorted, to go out and tell other people you can experience the same thing. Every church. And I'm, I'm, I promise I'm not just picking on First Baptist Sulphur. I'm picking on every church. Because for far too long, too many churches have not taken that message like they should. We must repent for not taking the message, that message to the lost world. This church and every church. Folks, the, 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 the people out there, those people, if we want to call them that, they don't come to our church anymore looking for answers. Oh, occasionally they will. Somebody will just get to the bottom and they're like, well, might as well try church. I've tried everything else. For the most part, they don't do that anymore. We must go. The Ninevites weren't going to Jerusalem to talk to God at the temple. God had to send Jonah to them. So we must. Knowing that salvation is from the Lord, be willing to take that message to those we don't like, we're scared of, don't live the way we do, etc., etc., etc. And we learn that from Jonah. Let's, let, let's take some lessons from him. Let's not be him. Let's take that message. Salvation is from the Lord. The last verse there of chapter 2. Basically, says, and the fish threw up, spit him out on the beach. Actually, we we've, scholars think that very likely the uh, the boat didn't get that far from Joppa. After all, that it, the the way it, it reads, they they rowed for the shore. It was almost like they could still see it by the when the storm hit. So it's it's very possible that Jonah wasn't far from uh from the land when the fish swallowed him. And probably spit him right back up at Joppa, where he had not gotten off track initially, but continued off track. Sometimes, I'll put it this way, those of you who have had small children in your lives and and, and you want them to, to do something, uh, stand in a certain spot, to... Uh, do something the right way and and they, they, they're they determined not to. And you take them and you put them in that spot and you say, do it. And they go run off and, and it, nope. Right there. Do what I told you. Put that toy up. Put it where it goes. And they throw it. Nope. Bring it. Put it up. It's kind of what God just did to Jonah. Jonah... Left. He's going to Tarshish. He's getting away. And God tells the fish, spit him up. do what I told you. May we hear that from God. May, May he take us back to the point where we got off track. And say, nope. Do what I told you. That's my prayer tonight. Let me close in prayer and then Anthony... Uh, has something for us tonight. Or do you want to just uh, cl- let that be our closing prayer, Anthony? Let me cl- let me close in prayer and you come on up. Let's do that. Lord, I pray that you would take us back to where we got off track. Lord, make our mission, our mission. Uh, make our vision, your vision. God, may we repent. May we take some lessons from Jonah. Salvation is from the Lord when we're at our weakest in the depths, Lord, we trust in you. But, Lord, let us not forget that obedience uh, without relationship is, is, is not what you're asking. As a matter of fact, you want the very opposite. Uh, Samuel told Saul, obedience is better uh, than, than sacrifice. It, the, being true to the relationship is better than going through the motions of what we think is good church. So, Lord, I pray that we would repent of those times that we have celebrated our own salvation, yet withheld it from others. I pray that we would repent from those times that we have run from you, Lord, that we would return to you. And, Lord, prepare us for the days ahead when when it will hurt, when we will experience trials, because we are determined to be on mission with you. And as we experience those pains of of growth, of change. God, may we see the, the finish line. May we see the vision, the mission that you've called us to. And Lord, that we will be an all about everybody else church. We will be an all about the lost church. That is our focus. That is our desire. Salvation is from you, God. And we need to take that salvation to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.